Welcome into another episode of Cowboys Right Through the Podcast. This is episode 66. My name is Joel Penfield, and I'm joined once again by Matt and Ryan Harris. Philip is traveling for work, so he'll be back on Wednesday to preview uh, the Kansas game later this week. But uh, guys, uh, we whiffed on this one bad. Um, Oklahoma State just absolutely got blown out by Texas Tech uh, yesterday, recording on Sunday. In a game that we all thought Oklahoma, it was going to be the other way around. Oklahoma State was going to find a way to beat Texas Tech pretty convincingly uh, to stun just about everyone in the conference. This was a very, very shocking result. Uh, give me just some initial reactions from you guys. I'm really I'm interested where you guys are at because it's, it's still really, like I said, I've said shocked about four or five times already in the first minute, but that's really how I felt last night. Like it wasn't even anger or just being pissed off. It was just shocked that they just came out and laid an egg at home like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was a game that Oklahoma state was favored by, I think 14. And that was at least the last time we checked the line. It was 14. Uh, you looked at everyone's predictions, just about everyone had OSU by at least a touchdown and they get beat by, 24 at home to tech. They scored 17 points and zero in the second half against Texas Tech. Notoriously the worst defense in the Big 12, other than, you know, Kansas, who's just, you know, Kansas. They don't really count. Um, It it was stunning to be sure. And I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, But to be honest with you, I think that the, the writing may have been on the wall a little bit because if you think, about the Boise State game, very first test of the year, and you say, oh, OSU passed it with flying colors. The offense was above average. The defense did really good. The special teams were great. All that's true, but the special teams went, they reverted back to what we expect out of them, which is pretty bad performances. The defense was tested against a better offense, and they did all right. I, I, I think they did all right. Um, but you look at the offense against Boise State, uh, OSU scored 44 in that game, but they really only scored 30 on offense because they got a punt block for a touchdown, so they really only scored 37 on offense. But then seven of those was handed to you by a blocked punt that set you up on the seven-yard line. So you scored 30 on Boise State, essentially on offense. And yeah, I, I think you could look at that and say, yeah, this offense might not be able to keep up in the Big 12. If you're only scoring 30 on Boise State, which, yeah, is a good team, um, then I, I just I don't see, though, how you would keep pace with a team like teams like Texas Tech and West Virginia and Oklahoma in the Big 12 who are going to be scoring 40 to 50 a week. Ryan, what do you think? Well, people are, a lot of people are going to put the blame for this loss on the corn dog. They're going to say, look, if Taylor Cornelius can turn this whole thing around, that's not true. The offensive line was so bad that, I mean, Taylor didn't play his best game. <clears throat> I would like to see a change of quarterback, but the offensive line did not give him a chance. Gundy in his press conference talked about how they need to run the ball better. Uh, they only took justice, I think, was it, like 10, was it 10 or 12 carries? 12 carries. And, and he averaged something like not over nine yards per carry. That's one of those things where you say, okay, obviously if you get more carries, that number probably goes down a little bit. Like you need to be getting more carries. The bottom line is the offensive line have to play better. They have to pass block because Corn Dog was having to break the pocket a lot. Half the half the snaps he got were at his ankles. 
that's another one of those things where you think about it, you say, all right, if we bring Drew Brown in, he's a guy that's a lot faster, a lot more mobile. So if there's a snap at his ankles, he can pick it up and run and maybe get a few yards on the play. Whereas Hornog's got some deceptive speed. He's, he's a little bit better than Mason in that category, but he's not Drew Brown. So uh, that that's one thing where maybe bringing Drew Brown in could have been beneficial, but this is on the offensive line more than anybody else. And yeah. They played. They played well uh, for. They gave up some big plays, but it's really hard to play well against an offense like Tech when your offense is not giving you anything at all. And that's what was frustrating because when you have an offense like Oklahoma State has and has had for years and years and years, um, it's it's one of those things where. The defense has always been used to those guys being able to put up points at will. And when that doesn't happen, and you're on the floor for the majority of the game, they're not used to that. They're not prepared for that. They thrive on, you know, the other team having to play catch-up with our offense as opposed to having to keep the other team off the board so the offense can play catch-up. It's fascinating how week-to-week everything can change. Like The win against Boise State last week was one of the best of the Gundy era, in my opinion, because it was a game that no one really expected Oklahoma State to win, regardless of the fact that they were at home and probably the better team. But because Boise State has that notoriety of kind of being the, the giant killer, they were going to come in, they were going to make their statement on the road. And Oklahoma State dominated that game in all three facets of offense, defense, and special teams. But what happened in this game was Oklahoma State got completely outmatched in all three facets of the game, on offense, defense, and special teams, completely outcoached in all three facets of the game. And this, to me, is one of the worst losses of the Gundy era, and I don't think that's too much of an exaggeration or too much of a point that, you know, is too irrational. It's fascinating how an offense that can be so dynamic was so vanilla in conference play when they showed little flashes of how good it can be and how, you know, how unique it can be in some of those games against South Alabama. We saw it a little bit against Missouri State and Boise State as well. But there was none of that last night. I understand that they were really just trying to get their feet underneath them, but why not try something a little bit different with a jet motion or a new formation or wildcat or something to kind of jolt the offense and get a spark and get some momentum. We didn't see any of that. They seemed pretty set in their ways by about the middle of the second quarter and nothing changed. Obviously, they didn't score in the second half. So that's a real concern for me. And then... Jim Knowles got his welcome to the Big 12. You knew Texas Tech was going to put up points. They're a great offensive team. They have a great offensive-minded coach. They have a quarterback who's coming into his own as a true freshman. They were going to score. But I didn't expect there to be really no adjustment at halftime for how to defend them. It looked like Texas Tech was running the ball. They were running the ball effectively, but not well enough. We were able to stop that. So it looked like Oklahoma State just sold out to the pass for Allen Bowman and stopped the receivers. Just let's try and cut out the passing game. And there was no adjustment back to the run because that's all Texas Tech did in the second half. They were able to chew clock, and they killed time of possession, ran 95 plays, I believe. So it's fascinating just to get – they got completely outmatched and outcoached, and Gundy's absolutely correct with that. Um, it's mind-boggling to get that – to get blown out that bad at home and that outcoached at home in your conference opener. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean – and I think the, the most sobering thing there is, like you said, Oklahoma State got outcoached in every facet of the game. And you look at who's on that other sideline, it's Cliff Kingsbury. How, like, how does Mike Gundy get outcoached by Cliff Kingsbury? That's what I don't understand. 
Yeah, I, I failed to understand that one as well. I mean, the thing is, like, I, and the more I thought about it, I kind of resigned myself to the fact that they were probably going to lose this game right around halftime when they decided to let the clock run out rather than try and score and put points up when they had two timeouts left. That's when I looked, I looked at my fiance and my dad and I said, this game feels so much like TCU last year that it hurts. Yeah, I, and I, I think you said that in our Slack chat. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, no, this is not good. Because that was the first time, like, I've read that. I was like, yeah, you're exactly right. It feels exactly like TCU last year, where you have that hopeless feeling of, why why do we have this prolific offense and we can't score and we can't do anything right? Uh, and so even though you look at the scoreboard, you're like, oh, we're only down seven and a half. Well, you're down seven to Texas Tech, and you only scored seven and then you yeah, didn't score you, in the second half. Yeah, it was it, it was a really frustrating thing. But so I thought about this last night as I was walking back uh, to my house from the stadium. Did we? And by we, I mean people that were talking about this game and trying to cover the game, and really people that you know picked Oklahoma State to dominate. Did we underestimate Texas Tech, or did people overestimate Oklahoma State? Because I lean more that I think Oklahoma State got overestimated. Yeah, and I mean. And that they, you know, this is kind of the norm, or not necessarily the norm, but this is kind of what this team is going to be. No one expected this team to win 10 games and try to compete with the conference, but that's the expectation that got put on them after convincingly beating Boise State and ending up in the top 15. Now they're out of the rankings, and they're probably still going to find, they're probably still going to lose two to three more games this year and finish around 8-4. That's kind of what my thought is. And I think we also underestimated Texas Tech to a certain extent because everyone thought, okay, true freshman, myself included, True freshman quarterback coming in, night game, on the road, opening conference play. He's, like, if Oklahoma State can curb, like, stomp on his throat early, then Oklahoma State can dominate the game. They just didn't do that. So I think I think Tech is a little bit better than people maybe will give them credit for. But I also think Oklahoma State isn't good enough to some of the expectation that was given after last week's win. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I think with Tech is, I mean, I, I thought it coming in the game, you know, they scored 60-something on Houston. Houston is not a pushover. They're not great, but they're not a pushover. And they've got probably the best defensive player in college football, albeit he's on the line. Um, and I think I said that on the podcast as well. Uh, and, and I thought about that game. I was like, you know, this, this, especially after last week, this game could be closer than people think it might be. But after our performance against Boise State, I was confident. But I, I think making score predictions, I said 52-38 OSU. I, I kept think I, I couldn't get out of my head like, okay, Tech scored 77 and then they scored 60-something in the last two weeks. How do we hold them to just 38? And as it turns out, that wasn't even the problem because OSU held Tech to 30 or 41 points. I mean, that that's just a notch above 38. That's you know, an extra field goal, but I I could not have prepared. I don't think anyone would have predicted that OSU would do as bad as they did on offense. That was the worst offensive performance that we've seen from Oklahoma State since 2014, I believe. Yeah, the TCU game. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, so we've been pretty negative, and rightfully so, talking about this game. And, you know, there's not a ton you can really take, you know, and try and find some positive. But I guess the one thing that I really saw that I can take go away from this game thinking, 
okay, the future's still bright. There's still, you know, there's still guys in the pipeline. There's still things that are going to go right this season. And Tylen Wallace, to me, is that guy. This is his third straight 100-yard game. He had, I think he had 100 yards receiving on six catches by the, not even the middle of the second quarter. So you can see the talent this guy has and then the rhythm he can get in when he has the ball in his hands. And Taylor Cornelius loves getting him the ball. So if we can find, if they can find ways to just keep getting him the ball, then, you know, maybe the offense can start clicking a little bit more. At least that's the hope. Um, but to me, he, he is the bright spot for sure. Even Justice Hill on 12 carries still ran for over 100. So it's not like he's not getting any production. I just want to see him have more and get him 20-plus carries. He's a workhorse at 5'10", 195. You can absolutely give him the ball more. A positive? Uh, man. I mean, Justice looked good. Huh. Um, I mean, nobody really had high expectations for this team to begin with. So... Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess it's just one of those things that you look at and you're like, okay, we've got talent coming in. Um, we've got guys. It's really good to see guys like Tylen Wallace playing really well. Um, it's good to see Chuba and JD King getting a lot of carries because you know those guys are going to be back. Uh, and you just hope that you know Spencer Sanders is is going to be ready for next season. Uh, I don't think they play him at all. I just I don't know what we're doing with Drew Brown. I don't understand the logic behind red shirting him this year and then having him and Spencer next year. Like I get wanting to have depth, but you can only play one of those guys, and they're you know it's not like one of those J.W. Walsh, Mason Rudolph kind of things where one guy can be used in the red zone while the other dude moves the ball between the twenties type thing. Because I think that. You know, they're both kind of similar athletic style direct quarterbacks. Um, but I'm going off on a whole different thing here. I would say one positive is that Kansas is next week. And, uh, you know, we can, they've, they've got a little bit of time to figure things out because if they want to have a successful season, they're going to have to figure things out on that offensive line. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Yep. Matt, what do you think? Alright, let me give you guys a positive that was probably completely overshadowed by the entire second half. Um, Jarek Bernard, I thought that he's done, I think that he's done an incredible job as a freshman so far. He's gotten a lot of snaps. He had his first career interception last week. Uh, that was also the first career interception of Alan Bowman's career. He'd thrown well over a hundred passes without a pick and Bernard got his first interception off of Bowman's first interception. Um, but I, I think he's done an incredible job. And as a larger point, I think that the defense overall is has been better this year than it was last year. I don't want to say, like, a lot better, but I think it has been noticeably better. Um, it, obviously, giving up 41 points isn't ideal. That's not, like, a number you want to hear as a defense, but you think, hey, um, this is a team that um, they gave up 24 points in the first half to Tech and 17 in the second half. That like That's not bad. You'll take, I guarantee you, any team in the Big 12, or not any team, but the good teams in the Big 12 that play good offense, they would take holding Tech to 41 points any day of the week. Um, 
and so I think the defense did a good job, and it's it, it bodes well for the future because I think a lot of the playmakers on that side of the ball are young guys. Gundy's playing a good amount of including Bernard and guys like Colby Peel, and then there's some other guys that have gotten limited snaps and reps against bad teams or, or special teams reps or whatever. But I think that this is a defense that has – They've done all right this year, and they've got a bright future. So I think that's something definitely to look forward to next year when you're bringing in a guy and saying, you know, hey, Spencer Sanders is the starting quarterback now or whatever. And and, and if the offense can return to that level that it was the last couple of years under Mason Rudolph, if we can find – if Spencer Sanders can be that guy and the offense can be that dynamic again, I think that this defense is going to be better than it was the last couple of years, which bodes really well for OSU. And I think that – despite this game being really uh, sloppy and also it was just all around bad. Despite that, I think that the defense, the the performance was encouraging for how much that they were on the field. Yeah, going back to your point about... They defended, I think, five snaps. Yeah, going back to your point about Jarek Bernard, that was who I wrote down in my notes as well, just positive, because I've been really impressed with what he's done, and Colby Peel as well. Colby Peel's had a little bit more growing pains, I think, compared to Bernard. But I think his coverage skills in this defense, he kind of has that, that center field mentality of just go get the ball. And he'll go and lay the wood on someone, too. And I, he read that ball from Bowman perfectly. When, that, when I saw the throw and it go across the middle, I'm like, oh, that's pick because he went over and timed it well and got the interception. So I think that, that's something definitely to build off of, especially as a young guy in this defense. So then, you know, last thing about this game, uh, the uniforms, obviously they pulled out some, you know, gray, gray, gray jerseys we haven't seen since 2012. Um, I didn't think it was a terrible look. I, I wish the numbers were black instead of orange because it, it was really hard to read on the, from the orange, uh, from the stands. But considering how yesterday went, I am perfectly fine with them using them. Uh, as fire kindling for a bonfire on the fifty yard line to forget this game. Uh, where are you? What are your guys' thoughts? Um, as far as the jerseys go, yeah, it. I, I think it's hard for OSU to do gray because it would look better with black. But then gray and black is just so nondescript to me. Like any team could wear gray and black. That would fit into anyone's color palette pretty much. And you know, it's like you, but you got to have orange somewhere. So, um. The gray, the orange and the gray didn't look bad, but I don't think it looked great. Uh, I was, I think when I saw the, the black, black, gray combo, um, for, I believe that was the South Alabama game, um, or maybe it was Boise State. I it, can't it was South exactly. Alabama. It was South Alabama, yeah. When I saw that, I, I think when I first saw that picture, I was indifferent about the gray pants, but I saw them in person and I thought they looked really good. I felt indifferent about the black, gray, gray, and I saw him in person, and I, he was the opposite. I didn't like him. Um, and the, one final point that I do want to make about the defense is for how we just mentioned Colby Peel and Jarek Bernard doing really good. I personally think that Blake Barron was one of the most important pieces of the defensive side of the ball of that recruiting class last year, and he's likely going to miss the whole year. So it'll be cool to have him back next year. Yeah, that's a great point to have as well. Ryan, what did you think about the uniforms? I mean, I liked them. I didn't love them. They weren't great. And just because they got beat so bad, I think that, like you said, they will be burned. Um, or at least pushed to the very back of the closet. Uh, I, again, the gray pants with the black jerseys is a great look. I just feel like gray jerseys are, are very generic, especially when you're playing at home and you're playing against a team that's wearing white. 
it's like, all right, uh, this looks kind of weird. This looks, you know, they're running out there with, with really no color. So, um, I would like to see the gray be more of a road uh, jersey than a home jersey because the home you've got um, orange and black, and, and all they really wear on the road is white. Uh, so I'd like to see them mix it up more on the road with gray, where they can wear gray uniforms with whatever pants instead of going with white and white or white and colored pants every single time on the road. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with not seeing the gray jerseys again, at least for a long time, until we can rub the sting out of this loss away. Moving on to the rest of the Big 12 before we wrap up here. Texas had a really big win against TCU. I, I saw all the Texas's back jokes, you know, coming through again, which is pretty funny. Uh, I don't see that at all, but they're definitely starting to get their, you know, get their feet underneath them after a bad loss to Maryland and then two pretty impressive wins back to back. And then I love the, I just love the fact because my dad was an army officer, so I have a soft spot for the military academies in West Point. To see OU or to see Army take OU to overtime was so cool to me, and I don't care that Army lost. It was just the fact that a they made OU nervous, which you know lightens my heart a little bit, and then the fact that Army was doing that against the number six team in the nation that shows how far their programs come under Jeff Monken. So I think that's awesome. And then West Virginia looked impressive as well against K State. K State's really down. I don't. I'm not as impressed with them as I thought I would be at the beginning of the season. Um. But Will Greer made the throws he needed to. I think he had five touchdowns. Uh, he's still looking pretty good, but I'm interested to see what they do when it comes down to a crunch time big game. They haven't been able to do it in the past. Uh, so I'm, I, I I don't know what they're going to be able to do the rest of the year, but for right now, I'm impressed with them. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting week in the Big 12. West Virginia impressed. OU, I think that that was probably like their – Iowa State kind of game last year where they just kind of showed up and wanted to win. Didn't really want to work for it because it's like, it's Army. Like, do we have to play this week? So I don't think it's that concerning because I think every team goes, except for Alabama, goes through a week like that. Um, you know, a couple years ago, I think, I think it was the year that Clemson won the national title. They lost to Pitt the same year that we, that OSU beat Pitt at home. Um, so I think every team goes through a week like that. And so I think they'll be fine. Um, yeah. Ryan, what did you think? Uh, I mean, obviously it was an interesting week of the Big 12. My Big 12 predictions post is going to get pretty interesting just because there's so much to digest and so much to talk about. Um, as far as Texas goes, I'd say that, again, that they – Sean Robinson made some crucial mistakes to um, – not really let TCU have a chance in that game. Uh, it was just kind of one of those methodical games on offense for them. That wasn't successful a lot, a lot like kind of like what we went through on Saturday. Um, I think Texas has a very good defense. I've been saying that they've got so much talent on that side of the ball. They just don't have things figured out necessarily on offense. And once they figure that out, they'll be dangerous. I don't think they have that figured out yet. I think their defense is playing well enough. To win that ball game, uh, and again, a lot of that has to do with being a really good defense playing at home um, against a freshman quarterback in his first like really, really road because I don't really felt SMU was a road game or AT&T Stadium as, as a road game, even though there were a lot of Ohio State games there. Um, so that, that, that's that's what I'll say about Texas. 
And then about Tech, again, I don't think it's necessarily that they're that good as OSU just played that bad. Uh, I think Tech's better than everybody thought they would be, and that has completely to do with Alan Bowman. Uh, that, that kid is nails, and they've got some pretty good receivers. But I don't think their defense is particularly as good as they won't on Saturday. Uh, and I think they'll finish the middle of the pack with a big ball, probably right there with like OSU. And uh, I would say kind of in that range. Not they're not gonna. I don't think they're as good as TCU, Texas, West Virginia, or Oklahoma. I think that's probably maybe top four. All right. Well, I think that uh, that wraps up this episode. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we leave for this one? Uh, I don't think so. I'm uh, looking forward to. I mean, we get Kansas. OSU gets Kansas next week, so. Um. You know, that's not going to tell anyone a whole lot of anything. And that's think Corndog's going to play the whole game, and he's going to look above average. Uh, but then you get Iowa State at home, and I think that game's interesting. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, before we wrap up here, uh, Matt, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, Matt underscore Harris 13. All right. Kaplan, well, Kaplan H. All right. Ryan, where can they follow you? Uh, Ryan underscore Harris 10. That's all over all right, great. Well, thank you guys for coming on, not only for the preview, but for this one as well. We really appreciate, I really appreciate it, and Philip does as well. Philip will be back on Wednesday, and hopefully we can get you guys on again as well. Uh, you can follow me at JT Penfield, and be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Uh, we will unfortunately recap everything from uh, the Texas Tech game uh, for the uh, first part of the week, and then we'll get into Kansas later this week, and hopefully there's some, just some good things to talk about, some good storylines. So uh, stay locked on to the site. And uh, be sure to comment, leave likes, and let us know how we're doing here on the podcast. And we will see everyone on Thursday for the next episode.